this is the Hunt Quietly podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. Bob Borland, good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, buddy. Thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate it. You're a traditional archer with some ideas for reducing crowding. Crowding yeah. is in the wheelhouse. It is, <laughs> it's paramount. It's a central topic in this podcast. So I'm, I'm all ears for ideas for addressing crowding. Where do you live? I live in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Well, the outskirts suburbs. So, yeah, born and raised in Oregon. Uh, what what's the what's the public private split in your hunting life? Um, you know, I, I I'd say I kind of have a unique perspective because I grew up hunting all public land, and um, I've done a little bit of both now in the last ten years. Uh, I had a buddy who kind of started guiding and stuff. So I was able to get on a place that a uh, ranch near where I grew up. So I hunted that for three or four years. And um, so, yeah, like I said, I think I've, I've done it all at this point. A, ranch that, a ranch that he leases. Yep. Yep. And, um, and I've, I've applied for tags. I've hunted all over the West and, I bought landowner tags and I've, uh, drawn tags and all that. So, um, this is, I, this is a, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I've had, uh, okay. So this is something that keeps happening with the podcast where people reach out to me and are interested in coming on. And I'm so glad that they are. I mean, I wouldn't have anybody to chat with if people weren't reaching out to me. I guess I'd have to try to find folks that I wanted to talk to, but I want to talk to just everyday folks that hunt. Yeah. Uh, I think that the I think that the hunting celebrities get it way more than their fair share of air time. But it's interesting that like here's a quote from your first email to me. You say, I agree with most everything you guys are preaching. But then, like, I look into you a little bit mm -hmm. and before you come on, and you're on social media with 1,100 followers. Your profile pic is a grip and grin. You yep. follow 570 people. And yep. you hunt least land, at least some of the time. So. Yep where do you agree with me? Well, you know, I grew up hunting, like I said, Oregon public land. And, um, you know, a lot of the areas that I grew up hunting are so overcrowded that the hunting experience on the public land is, you know, for somebody that grew up hunting and lives to hunt, you know, sounds like much like yourself. Um, you know, when you work your butt off, you know, in a regular job, so you can take weeks off every year to go hunting and there's 1500 archery hunters roaming around the mountains, bugling off every ridge. 
you know, there's part of that that kind of drives you to saying, well, you know, do I want to go hunt this place my buddy leases and and he'll make me a screaming deal and, you know, I can go and not mess with the people, you know. So I think part of what you, you're preaching is um, part of that is driven by the overcrowding. You know, part of the problems you're talking about with the leasing, you know, I don't know how it is in Montana, but, you know, it sounds like you grew up in it. Yeah, it sounds like you grew up in an area where, you know, you used to be able to knock on doors, you know, take the rancher some smoked salmon or something, and bam, you're you're hunting. And now, um, now you got to pay ten grand or something, you know. So we have those same problems here. And I think my my point is, I agree with you. I mean, I I totally agree that. Um, you, you know, we agree on the problem. You yes, like we yes. agree that okay, so that's great for sure. And and, I, know, and I, I I've been thinking about how to how to interact with how to approach folks that partially agree with what I'm saying. I mean, eventually what I want to do if I keep doing this and it doesn't completely drive me insane is I want there's to start to have action items and pledges. Mm -hmm. No, but I don't want people that only partially agree with me to disconnect from, from what I'm, what yeah. I'm yeah, exactly. fighting for. So and, it's like with the pledges, it's almost got like, there's gotta be a, uh, a gold. How does that work with credit cards? Silver, gold, and platinum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like have a any, silver. I don't have any platinum ones. Let's say silver. I think the, I think the black Cabela's card, my buddy had one. I think that's the, that's the master that's the penultimate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so like black would be, you, you don't, put grip and grins on social media. You do not follow hunting celebrities. You don't watch hunting TV. You don't lease hunting land. You, you do work projects to encourage ranchers and farmers to let people hunt, et cetera, et cetera. But then there'd be people like you that you'd be more of a silver guy because you'd be at least willing to admit that crowding, well, in my opinion, I'd be interested in hearing yours is the single biggest issue in hunting today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my umbrella of, of hunting is, is a hundred percent just bow hunting. I mean, I've, I've followed that my whole life growing up. So the, the rifle hunting side, I I honestly, I, I don't pay as much attention to it, but as far as like bow hunting in the West, yeah, I've, I've followed that since I, you know, was a little kid. My, I grew up in a family where all my uncles hunted, you know, I mean, I, my dad started traipsing me around the woods. I mean, shoot, I took my first steps in hunting camp in 81, you know, and I have a, you know, here in Oregon, um, we've had pretty much the whole state's been just general archery over the counter for elk for the last 40 years. And I've spent the last few years in meetings, you know, fighting to try to save some of that because of the overcrowding and overharvest. Most of our popular elk units, um, they actually all went to controlled last year, even though, you know, the traditional archers of Oregon, who I'm the field governor for, we put up a big fight and all the meetings, not, not to argue that there is a problem because there isn't a problem. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. There isn't a problem, but our solutions, um, 
you know, we could have taken not every unit because we know that, you know, most guys want to help with a compound. We understand that. That's the way, way it goes. But we could have taken, you know, I tried to get them just to break off at the by the end, just a unit or a couple units and make it a, you know, primitive area and keep it general season. And just if you go hunt that area, you got to use a traditional bow. You know, we have several traditional archery seasons in Oregon um, that we've kind of worked off of you know, through this process. So, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, luckily our state traditional archery organization has been very involved since they started in the mid eighties, like 1984. We have a traditional archery deer hunt in the Trout Creek mountains that we've had since, well, for 20 years. Um, and now we've been able to add on, we have, um, the Trout Creek's deer hunt. We have the North Fork traditional archery elk hunt, which is, um, it now encompasses three units and it's open for an extra week longer than the compound season. And we have a Sandy Am unit traditional hunt, which is an extra five days after the regular season general. And then we also have the Eagle Cap which is 200 tags in a, in one of those new controlled zones. So, um, it's just allowing more opportunity, less harvest. Unfortunately, they, they wouldn't go along with just making a unit traditional because they were kind of worried about the feedback and the backlash and everybody flipping out. Kind of. Oh, wait a minute. So I spaced out for a second, apparently like this 200 tags in the, that's on top of the compound tags. So, yeah i see you're hunting the same area as the compound you know guys you just they just set aside tags for traditional Mm -hmm. yeah you're yeah that's i'm trying to process how i feel about this it's like uh you're advocating for opportunity for the type of hunting that you like to do well this is we, we we could get in to lots, but I'm trying to save, in my opinion, I'm trying to save archery seasons. You know, that's the way I look at it because this is not just happening in Oregon. If you follow all across the West, I mean, um, Arizona just lost their over the counter deer archery deer that January hunt and part of the December, it's now going to be in a quota system. If you're a non-resident to Idaho, they started cutting back on, controlling the non-residents archery tag. So you used to be able, you know, I killed my first branch bull in central Idaho in 97 and I've hunted, you know, we've hunted there several times. You used to be able to go buy a tag in the middle of season, you know, now December 1st, they're gone. Um, so what do you, what do you really, attribute those changes to? Well, you know, Idaho, it's different. I, I attribute it. It's different in each state, just depending on how their tag allocations are set. You know, Idaho, you know, obviously population's gone up for the residents also. Um, but the big change for the non-residents is they changed it to where there's only allowing a certain percentage of non-residents in each unit. They've always are always given out 12,000 non-resident elk tags. But now in the popular units are, you know, what happened is in the popular units are limiting it to help spread out the pressure. And so that, you know, that makes all the tags where the elk are sold out. And then on top of that, 
um, in a state like Idaho is something that I feel like you guys also don't talk about a lot on the, or, or I haven't heard a lot on the podcast. I've listened to a couple of years is the predators, um, you know, Northern Idaho, the low, low area, um, that area used to be loaded with elk until the wolf reintroduction and all that. And, you know, that's another part of the crowding problem you talk about is, is there's, there's huge voids of areas where it used to be, you know, just overrunning with bow hunters during archery season where there ain't nobody, hardly anybody there anymore because there's no elk, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. The, and, the, and the so, low area is a prime example of that. Yeah. The panhandle. I mean, I know guys in the, the early, early to mid nineties, you go up to panhandle and they were crushing the elk, you know, with their mm -hmm. bows and it's tough. I mean, I've hunted, I love that country. I've hunted it and, uh, there's not much left. So, um, distribution of the elk has hurt us a lot too, because of predators. And that's a lot what happens in Oregon too, you know? Then there's some states where the elk situation is better than ever in terms of numbers. Well, that's what the fish and game will tell you. They'll tell you that in Idaho too, but those numbers. Wyoming is a state that is doing really well with elk. Yeah. Our numbers here in Montana are fantastic. Yeah. But Several the, states in the East coast have more elk than they've had in 200 years. But if you look at the, the percentage of those elk that are on private land and public land, those percentages have changed a lot the last 25 years, you know, <clears throat> a lot more. What do you attribute that to? Pressure, pressure from people, pressure from predators. So like why, a, is there in, why is there increased pressure from people? Um, well, they, I, I feel like technology is a huge part of that, especially in bow hunting. I mean, the compound bow, I mean, no brainer, right? I mean, how long does it take you to set up a bow and be able to shoot it effectively out to 30 yards now? Yeah, I'm open, you to, know? I'm open to, to that uh, being uh, a so, contributing factor. I mean, I was shooting a compound more than 30 years ago. I was yeah. shooting a compound 40 years ago. Um, yeah. And things were way less crowded in the West 40 years ago. And there were yep. still compounds 40 years ago. You were ago. using fingers. You, weren't, you didn't have a range finder. Or if you did, it had a little picture of a deer in it and everything. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up in the 80s. All my uncles, everybody. I mean, every, all my family still shoots compounds. So, um, I mean, that that uh, the technology is a huge, huge. And then, like you said, the social media, the, the Joe Rogans, your brother. You know, everybody wants to be a elk hunter now and you can't blame them, man. Elk hunting used to be awesome. You know, um, the meat, you feed your family for a year. I, I can blame them like a Joe yeah, Rogan, yeah. a Joe Rogan, somebody that pays for exclusive access and contributes extensively to the privatization of wildlife and turning it into a pay to play uh, yeah. activity that goes completely against my interpretation of the North American model of wildlife management. I, I do, I do blame him. I, he should just shut up. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then you have, and I don't disagree with you. I'm a hundred percent for the North American model. And when I talk about leasing private well, land it, or buying a landowner tag in New Mexico, I'll tell you what, I'm the first guy to be against landowner tags. Do you use and, go? And I, do you I know, use go hunt? 
Uh, yeah. Well, well did I'm you not know a that they're now, a but broker? Do you know oh, they're a broker sure. now? A broker for landowner sponsored tags? Yeah. Yeah. You did know they that? I just learned uh, that. Yeah. I mean, which is driving me absolutely bananas because <laughs> BHA, I thought BHA was like for opportunity for publicly accessible opportunity. Randy Newberg, they take money from, from go hunt who is now a company that if you're a landowner with, with, with sponsored tags, you call them up, you call up go hunt and, and, and arrange for them to sell the tags for you. Uh, most of those places do it. Go Hunt does it. Hunt and Fool, Epic Outdoors, they'll all help you get landowner tags. Yeah, I hate that. I I yeah. hate that stuff. It's like, of course, there's companies that do it, but why in the world are the nonprofits and the celebrities that are supposed to be looking out for public land hunting and and egalitarian opportunity? Yeah, yeah, but you know. A lot of those that. states, the landowner tags, you can hunt the whole unit. It's not private land. So you, you buy a landowner tag in Nevada, and you can hunt this, the whole unit. You don't. Well, have to we hunt both know that a lot. So many of these units are where there's landowner tags are almost entirely private land. Well, I've bought three landowner tags and I've never hunted the private land in those land on those landowner tags just for public land access, but right. it doesn't, it doesn't make it any better in my opinion. <laughs> you know, admit, Oh, I, it, to me, admit that's better. That's more, <laughs> that's more, that's not nearly as bad in my mind. Um, but it's still, it's terrible. It's like welfare for people with land. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. and but you know, and here it is like the, the people that are like, and the groups that are in fate are trying to protect the only care kind of hunting I care about public land hunting where anybody can go. Uh, at least anybody that lives in my state and a bunch of other people as well. They're like, they, they, they put themselves forth as champions for that kind of hunting, but then they mm -hmm. accept money from like somebody like these groups that you're talking, like these companies that you're talking about. They're like, that are facilitating the privatization. It's, okay, so like, so here's here's my argument on the landowner tag. So these landowner tags have been around forever, especially in you know New Mexico. They've always they've been around forever, and the reason the prices have gone up so so much is because of the technology. I mean, that's one of the major reasons, the promotion of it, but the technology, if, if a landowner tag in New Mexico, you had to use a longbow, what do you, what do you think the cost of those tags would be decreased? You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's, it's not something I've thought about long enough to have a settled opinion on it. I so, would rather I would personally rather if like, if you were success, if I, let's, if I moved to Oregon and then you successfully made it so that there's some unit where it's, it's traditional archery only, mm -hmm. I would go buy a traditional bow because mm -hmm. I hate hunting pressure. I hate hunting around people and I would start hunting that unit. And, and I don't know how many other people would do the same. Maybe so many that it, it turned out to be like not 
not a reduction in pressure. Yeah, that could happen. But I can I, tell you. I'm the, curious, as somebody that like yourself that's concerned with pressure, how do you square that with like showing a thousand people what you shoot? Well, I also helped do a podcast, traditional archery podcast. Um, I helped my buddy James, and we do the Trag Quest podcast. If you've heard of that, um, we've been slacking the last couple of years. We've only done a few, but um, and part part of you know the reason we do it is to try to promote traditional archery and saving our seasons. You know, um, just what I'm talking to you about. And we've gotten a lot of shit over the years on that too. So I kind of know where you're at on the hate mail and the, the causing a divide and all that stuff. Cause I get it. We've gotten it over the years, but I, I get, I have gotten zero hate emails. Oh, well, I, so I talking about traditional I, archery I, <laughs> on the hunt time. forums, on the hunt forums, there's some venom directed at me, but yeah, I probably had, 50 people email me now and they are all like completely, they're always extremely positive. Yeah. Good. Good. I think, I think bringing it, just bringing the conversation up is important. You know, where, where is our future going? And I think, yeah, I want to ask you that. I want to ask you that. Where do you think, not where do you want it to go? Where do you think we'll be in 20 years? Oh, Man, if it goes like the last 20, it's it's going to be hard to to justify archery seasons, you know? Think yeah, about I it. Think, I think in 20 years it's the only the, the, the only quality hunting is going to be a difficult draw tag. A difficult draw tag or pay to play, pay for access. Public land is going to be even more overrun than it is now to the point that there's not even any game there. It's all down on the private. Yeah. Um, that, yeah that's, I don't disagree that, with you. That is where we were in my mind. Nobody's saying it. None of the celebrities are saying it, but that that's because they're causing it in my mind, yeah. social media and the celebrities are causing it. And that's where we're going to be. Yeah. I don't um, disagree. So, so, so if you, but if you, if you could you, set if you agree if, though, if you agree, explain to me the social media thing. So if, but hang on, before we get to the social media thing, if we could set aside in, in each state, a block of units, whether that's one or four or five, you know, like Oregon has 77 units or something like that. So if you could set aside four or five units in each one of these states out West here and make them a primitive, primitive weapon units. So during archery season, you got to use a recurve or a longbow. During the muzzleloader season, you have to use a muzzleloader, a flintlock. And during the rifle season, you have to use an iron sight rifle. Do you think that would still happen in those areas? I, I just, I'm trying to find a more global solution. I mean, I, I, I could go, yeah, here's, but, here's what I could do. I could say, I want five units where you can only go in with pack llamas. It just... Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't. You already seem- have those. You have wilderness areas, and it doesn't matter. They're they're full of people too. Um, so I and I, I like I said, I don't disagree, and I don't care what anybody hunts with. But find me a better solution to our problem, and I'm all ears. But 
I you, think you trying to sh- shut down the internet, man, you, and I hope you works because I hate the internet too, buddy, but you've got a long road to hope. Well, you don't, We're gonna shut down the you internet. don't hate it too much because you, <laughs> you follow 574 yeah. people on it. Well, I, I didn't have social media before I started that podcast with my buddy. And he's, he told me when he begged me to help, he said, got to get social media, got to do all this. And uh, so that's when I started it. So, and, and um, like I said, here's, I don't disagree. here's the way I look at the social media and the hunting TV and everything else. My eight bullets on my website. Mm-hmm. Here's my interpretation of those. I think hunting, public land hunting, is the only kind of hunting I care about. If I, if I got to start paying for access, I I am so freaking done with it. And the <laughs> and and uh, that's just not why I got into it. I got mm-hmm. into it for the pure pursuit of something like once you got to get out your wall and pay for it, I just go buy a steer that from the rancher, you know, what's the fricking point at that? It's just not. So I think hunting's dying. I think the kind of hunting I, I, I enjoy is dying. I don't think it would be dying if it wasn't for hunting TV and hunting social media. I think it would still be vibrant. And those eight things are what, if in 20 years hunting is not dead, the kind I care about, it'll be because we did those eight things. So that that's what those eight things represent to me. So people, and it's a very valid point that you make, Bob, that that ship is already sailed. Good luck stopping that. And you're right that it it, it will be devilishly tough, but it's either that or we're done in my mind. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Yeah. And I think though, I think we can, by, by you having a podcast like this and obviously with who your brother is, it makes people think a lot harder. Right. And a few, I mean, I'm only getting 30 or 40 listeners a day. So I don't know. Yeah. But you you know what I mean? Like, and if they can come around partway, maybe because I, I personally, like, I've never had a problem with Griffin Grants. Like, I, I get it if there, there's the whole guide outfit there and, you know, some, you know, rich guy. Like, I totally understand that. That's disgusting. But if I bow hunted for 38 days and I killed an elk with a wood arrow, like, I'm proud of that. And I'm, I don't have any problem taking a picture of it. Just like, the old days, my account's private, you know, like I, I know we post stuff on our track quest page too, but, um, I, I just, I've never had a problem with that. And, and, um, you know, we, there's part of it too, like with, with what bow hunting has become now, it's, it's almost like I, I, I balance back and forth too. Like I'm not a big social media guy. I, I'm, you know, like I'm, I have those same feelings like, man, I don't really care, you know, but on the other hand, there's a lot of young bow hunters out there, you know, that I was at a sportsman show with a buddy of mine who builds wood arrows a few years ago. And he was like, we're going to go to the, you know, the Portland sportsman show. And you wouldn't believe how many kids walk by and they're looking at like a glove and a tab, you know, and hanging or arrows. Like they don't even know what a glove was because they've never shot a bow with their fingers, you know? So like 
there's some of it to like show that this still works and it's still very effective way to bow hunt. You know, it's like, not like just because you pick up a recurve or a longbow, you're never going to get anything again. It's just pointless. Like it still works. So that's, that's kind of, you know, I guess a way to justify it in my brain, I guess. I don't, I don't see, know. I don't see any need to show a dead and dying animal to get yeah. those points across. I, and I think it's horrible. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's destroying hunting. It's using, in a lot of cases, dead wildlife to sell products. It's yeah. bragging. It's, I, I just, there's no, there's, I see no redeeming quality. And I haven't been able to get anybody to give me one good reason. And I've had so many discussions with people yeah. how it's virtuous, how it's helpful, how, how it, how, how it, it's going to in, in any way improve the future of hunting to show strangers dead stuff. Yeah. And I see so many reasons why it's not. Yeah, you're probably right. But like so I like, said, I'm somebody that cares about hunting. I don't care about getting, um, being considered a, an authority. I don't care care about hunting culture. I don't, I, if somebody came around tomorrow that could do a better job of what I'm doing than me, I would give them the website, take my name off it. I would get better at editing and I just do the editing for them and they could have it. Like I, I have zero interest in, 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 in garnering attention for myself through this. Like I'm, I'm right doing there. this because I'm like, I'm doing this because I think you care about the future. I care about the future of yep. my sport. And I, and, and, and I, I'm, I, I am a hundred percent right there with you. If you told me today, what I was doing was a hundred percent wrong and going to ruin the future of bow hunting. I wouldn't do it. And I, you know, like you said, well, I'd say right. that you're probably, I'd say that probably you, cause you're thinking critically about the issues. I think that overall you're a force for good. Um, but like I say, man, I don't yeah. think grip and grins on social media is, I think it's, it incentivizes hunting for terrible reasons. I'm not saying that you have terrible reasons, but there's just no way to adjudicate who's doing it for neutral. Well, there's no good reason to it for, for who's trying yeah. to make money and get, how many less people would there, here's an open question. Mm-hmm. How many fewer people would be in these units that you're talking about if they didn't, they weren't trying to get stuff, dead stuff for their feed? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean. It's just in my, it's not a legitimate yeah. reason to hunt. For, to yeah, me. no, I agree. I agree. You know, we had um, Doug Borland and Don Thomas on, and I don't know if you know either of those guys are. But they're, you know, Doug, Doug Borland, like the same last name as, as yep, you? Yep. Um, Is he a re- rel- relative of yours? No. Okay. Nope. But legend, traditional bow hunters. Don Thomas is from uh, Montana. He's written for Ducks Unlimited, all kinds of stuff. He's a doctor. But, but uh, you know, we had those guys on, and we had a big discussion about the big tent theory. And, and we've had Doug on our podcast several times, and absolutely one of the the coolest guys you'll ever talk to i mean unbelievable but 
you cannot find a picture of him with a, with a dead animal. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, hundred percent. He is hundred percent agrees with you and the commercialization of hunting. And I think that's what it, what's the his name big again? picture of Doug Borland. I can get you his info. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to and he's him. like, he, yeah, he started the Alaska bow hunters. Like he's, he was one of the, you know, there at the beginning of the RMEF. I mean, he's just an absolute stud. And um, those guys. I, I'm more interested in talking pe- with people I disagree with. Yeah. Oh, uh, but. Um, but he'd be a, he'd be a good, a wealth of knowledge because he's been, he fought for these same things for, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, so, but, but I guess my point to that is, you know, there's, there's kind of the two sides, you know, there's the, the Doug Borland side where you don't know, you know what I mean? You know, he's exceptional and, but he's not going to show you anything. Um, and as a young kid, I can remember being a young kid, you know, and, and when you talk about the future, whether we like it or not, as older people, like we have to include the younger generations because, we're getting old and especially in the traditional bow hunting world, there's a lot of old folks there, you know? So, you know, and I've heard the analogy before, you, you know, you can't keep fishing from the same pond, you know, you, you got, you have to like, I, I know social media is ridiculous in a lot of ways, but you know, like you, you have to include the younger generation in some way. And so if there's a way you can do it, better on social media and, and, you know, entice the younger generation. We have to do that a little well, the, bit. I think you the message I mean? there should be, be humble, mm-hmm. young hunter. Don't, don't brag about dead stuff on, on social media. That's not the kind of hunting community we're trying to foster and cultivate. Just leave it off. You know, if you want to, if you want to, peruse you want to peruse how to content great we can have a bunch of that for you but we're, I mean, the model for them is oh this is what you do you yeah. you you look at these like hunting um gods on on on, on the internet <laughs> and then try to, and try to try to emulate them i was yeah. hunting in this unit a few years ago and I'm hiking out and um and I come across this camp and there's a bullhead, a head of a bull elk, pretty nice one, hanging up in a tree. And there was a 15-year-old kid that had killed it. He was no longer in camp, but his dad was still there. No, his his uncle was still there. His dad and his and he had contacted the outfitter to help him pack it out. So they didn't find it the night before. They found it the next day. And a grizzly bear had already buried it and molested it quite a bit. So then they salvage what they can and move it away from where it was and then the next day 
the bear had found the bags of meat and taken a bunch more. So now they're down to like they got 20% of the meat. And then the outfitter takes them out. And then I run into the dad. The kid went home and went back to school. I run into the dad a few miles down the trail after hearing most of the story and then hearing the rest from the dad when the dad was coming back up at the trail to camp. And he said, yeah, my son's already got it on the Easton's website. <laughs> is that what we want? Yeah. Is, that what we, is that what we're trying to teach? Yeah. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't see, I think that that is, that, I think that that's a horrible thing to be teaching kids. For sure. Teach them not to lease up land and lock other people out. How about that? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, I heard when I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day, I heard the guy and he had a good little quote on there. And he said, the harder it is, the more it makes you think about it. Yeah. And that's and that's uh, that's kind of the the what traditional bow hunting is all about. You know, I mean, I feel like. The guys that do it have been doing it a long time. They, you know, they're different. They're, they're a little different, you know, because they're thinking about it a lot more because you have a lot more time to think about it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, so, I, I hunted for 22 days with my 25 days with my bow last year for elk and never even got a shot. Um, mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I, I guess like it's gotten what, extremely what kind of here. What kind of bow do you shoot? I shoot a compound bow. A Matthews, Hoyt? Uh, uh, a Prime. Prime. Yeah. Have you looked at all the social media influencers and video guys that Prime sponsors? Oh yeah, I'm well aware of all that. I'm trying to compile a list of. In a way, you're you're supporting them and the social. No, it was given to me. It's it was given to me. Still. So, uh, (laughs) I I feel like I'm not supporting them because I don't. I don't. I, I feel like I've taken money from them, which is a good thing because like I don't do advertising for them. I just got a free bow from them. Like, yeah. and I don't, I don't put it on social media. I don't, you know, I don't hype up their bow. Yeah. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to compile a list of companies that don't uh, advertise with influencers and don't, um, advertise on hunting TV and put them on my website. Uh, I, I need to devote more time to it. I found two, one of them's in Norway and the other way at one, I can't remember the name of that one right off. The other one is T T and K T and K hunting year in South Dakota. Oh, Ravno Ravno in Norway, T and K hunting year. So, I'm, yeah, I wonder if there's, if there's, you know, other companies that. Well, most, most of the traditional archery companies you could add on that list. Really? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> like, which one would like you. Like I said. I like, mean, I, well, we you know, know, I bought. That there's a lot, we both know I, that there's a lot uh, of trad archery influencers. We both know that. Who? Who? How many is a I lot see, of trad I, archery influencers? Who? I, who? Well, Eric I Hunter? see people. Well, you got a thousand followers, eleven hundred followers. I'm not a. I'm not an influencer, buddy. Uh, I. I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to. I'll have to look. But I. 
I'm sure I can find. I mean, there's lots of guys gripping and grinning with traditional bows online. Yeah. Well, what about uh, what about Ryan Callahan? Yeah, yeah. There's he's, one. He's one of your brother's boys. Well, hey, you, yeah. But so, I'm how, how many how many shows people. how many shows of your brother's feed eater shows has he been on where they have killed an animal with a traditional bow? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Wa- I don't watch hunting TV. Yeah. So I don't. I don't either. But I don't think any. So I guess my point is, and, and this is Don Thomas said this on our show. Like again, they're they're against the shows and the traditional or the commercialization too. And he said, shoot, if if you know somebody wanted to make a show with me, they'd have to follow me around for three or four months before I got something, and that's just not cost effective, you know, unless you're on some private game preserve or something like that. Yeah. So, so I guess my point is, you know, like I said, the harder it is, the more it makes you think about it, the less of the problems that you're seeing, less of those problems would happen if you had primitive weapon seasons. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely open to that possibility. Yeah. And I know in um, Utah, if you notice, they, they banned the trail cameras last year and baiting the year before and they had their commissioners or the board of game they call it there but they're they're going after technology you know they're talking about putting the hunt back in hunting that's awesome those are all great things and um you know i feel like us as hunters not not like i said not that i care that you shoot a compound and i shoot a recovery i could give two shits but we got to look at the future and you look at, you know, how you can have the the argument against crossbows, and and still be shooting a compound at the same time blows my mind. Yeah, that's a good. Absolutely point. Absolutely blows my mind. That's a good point. I, you don't think that a, a crossbow is one notch more lethal? Yeah, but that gap has narrowed a lot in the last. 15 years a, a compound has become m- much more akin to a crossbow in terms yeah. of lethality yeah, sure for sure i mean when i was i laugh because i uh, you know you see cam haynes on the on the social media i'm sure you follow him too <clears throat> yeah, right. <laughs> but you know he I bra- do look on it i do look at him once in a while to- yeah he brags about shooting a 90 pound compound and i and i look back and i and i think gosh when i was 12 years old i shot a 60 pound compound and back then they had like 65 percent let off i think or 60 percent let off like i was holding more weight than him is yeah. is a, a grown you know what i mean and right now i mean i have three shoulder surgeries and i shoot a 40 you know 48 pound recurve and and here he is, like he's the man bragging, like ah yeah, yeah. hammered. So it's like you know, cracks me up. But again, like I said, that 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 gap has narrowed a lot. Yes. Um, and so and, and and like you said, looking into the future, the next twenty years, it's not going to get further apart. I can tell you that, right? I mean, do you think they're going to stop? You know, making compounds shoot faster and smoother and and. You know, I guess they've gone. I don't even think there's let off rules anymore. You watch, you watch YouTube videos, and 
calling in an elk. I mean, the they see it coming a hundred yards away. They just draw their bow back and they can hold it back for minutes. Yeah. You know, I have to wait for that thing to get in my lap and it's a lot more difficult to get a shot off. I mean, by far. If there so, was a, if, if there was an, a ballot initiative to make hunting rifles, the single shot only, or only, only black powder and traditional bows. I would absolutely for sure vote yeah, for and, that. And you know, I don't. And, I haven't shot a, tr- a traditional bow in, in 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 forty years. I got my first compound. It was a PSE when I was eleven, and I'm fifty-one, so forty yeah. years ago. But I would because yeah. all I care about is getting some peace. Oh, and, and it and, wouldn't increase the number of people out there. That's for no, sure. all and all of the bow hunters, the hardcore guys like you and I and all the guys that are that are showing up to the commission meetings and all the guys that are involved, like all of those guys would do it for sure. Yeah. You'd take out a lot of these guys just doing it for the the gram and the grip and grins and the pictures on um, you know, those guys wouldn't be there. So yeah. it would solve your overcrowding problem. Done. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. And I've had eight, eight, eight grip and grinners come on the podcast now. And you know, all of them start I, out. I don't know if it was I was a child of the 80s, but man, when I see, you know, when I see it, it tells a story to me. And this may sound retarded. And, you know, Posted them on online. Like I said, I, I don't pay much attention anymore because most of them are just, like you said, compound guys or shot it on a ranch or, you know, whatever. They don't even know. Like, it, But when you see a guy that killed a bull with a bow and, a, you know, like you can see, you know, he hasn't shaved in weeks and like just all that stuff. It just tells a story to me. And as a hunter, I, I like seeing that. I don't know what it is, but, yeah, but I don't disagree cost. with you there's, that there's as, a anti-hunt, as an anti-hunter, as an anti-hunter, the cost what's is that? more pressure, more leasing. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't disagree I mean, with you. Just it, it, I, Yeah. But you, but if that, <laughs> you don't agree enough to stop. I know. I know. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, actually, let me tell you, I mean, I'll tell you the truth, Matt. Let me tell you the truth. Okay. Okay. Last year, not this year. Last year, I killed a bull, and I hunted the season. It was the 22nd day of season, and I got there six days early. I ended for 28 days, and the hunting was terrible. And I bought a landowner tag in a really good place, but it was hotter than crap. I had not even drawn my bow. I hadn't even got my fingers tight on the string, and it was the second to the last day of season, day 20, day 28 of me get, getting up at 3.30 in the morning, and I I just blind luck stumbled into a herd. Bulls were screaming. I slipped in, shot a nice six point. I did not, I was not going to post that picture. I sent it to some of my friends. And I mean, I was proud of that thing. You know, I was very, it was an awesome experience. My brother was there, my nephew. Uh, you know, I had a couple friends there that I'd met, you know, locals. And they helped pack it out. And it was just, it's just like the culmination of hunting for me, you know. Right now you're but, at operating at on a on the hunt period index, you're at a ten. Yeah. 
But, but you, but then you went home and put it on Instagram. And it no, but sick. I sent it to friends and then they put it on Instagram. Oh, and then I'm like, well, and then they're like, uh, you know, then, you know, that that's, that's, that's how it goes the, these days. Yeah. And I, you know, and I shot a deer this year and I didn't put it on Instagram. Your and friends, I like that. I want I need to have your friends on the, the whole group <laughs> of them so I can lambast them all because it's like, it's not like, no, okay, I so you, like here, here's the thing. What's nice about talking to you is you're somebody that's very upfront about trying to make better hunting better for yourself. And that's good. Well, so you're I, saying I, just I, for myself, I think I feel like it's for hunters like for you. the future and, and for the future of bow hunting in general. Like, honestly, like I, this year I'm having a baby, uh, here in a couple of weeks, uh, knock on wood. So I don't, I'm not going to be right. able to, I usually, I usually take off the whole season, you know, and I, I usually hunt two or three States, but this year I'm stuck here because I'm going to have a little baby. So I actually going to hunt one of these traditional areas, but I have never hunted one in the past. Um, I, I would go to the meetings for years. I fight for them. I try to get them, but I, I hunt with my family and my family all shoots compounds. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I usually don't hunt in the, any of these traditional areas, but I do feel like it's very important to preserve the future of what bow hunting was, was designed to be. And when these, we got all these seasons in the sixties and seventies, it was to create opportunity for those of us that wanted to go out and hunt, not have any biological impact on the ungulate population because hardly anybody ever got anything with a bow. And that's why we got month long seasons during the elk rut. Um, you know, and that's gotten, that's just gotten whittled down. And that's why these guys in the eighties, when the compounds started getting popular, they started, you know, flipping out and then they got called old crusties and then the divide, uh, you guys are a-holes cause you're trad elitists and all this stuff and all those guys are trying to do is say look if we continue down this road these seasons won't be here anymore and here we are at, at this road right now and the seasons general seasons are gone pretty much everywhere um especially no, you're, getting, for, you're getting through to for, me especially like, for a non-resident and uh and they still they they're still looking and saying well huh that's yeah, you know what I mean? Like I, uh, yeah, hard yeah. for me to have that argument. I, yeah. Your your thing is not to like reduce you to having a thing, but your your stance <laughs> no, you is just be all you want. Your stance is no, I don't want to do that. Um and you're actually getting through to me. Your yeah. stance is um imagine a world in which we dialed back the technology in hunting there you go buddy and 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 my thing has always been imagine a world in which there wasn't hunting tv and hunting social media i think the i think if there if i could push a button on my table right now that made it both of those things be true i would do it i would too I push it right now. Yeah, isn't that awesome? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's like I guess it's a matter of how do we get there? How do we get there? <laughs> yeah. 
like I said, because if if it we can fix the problem, like now I'm, I'm, I'm if we more could fix more. the problem and you could shoot your prime that you're sponsored to shoot and everything, I'm fine with that as long as the problem's fixed. As long as you know, I have a seven year old daughter, another one on the way, and I grew up. My brother's five years older, and bow hunting is all we have ever done, man. I mean, when I was twenty years old. I took, I, we went to Montana on quarters. We paid for gas with quarters. I mean, you know, we hunted, I mean, we've hunted everywhere and not because so we quarters, uh, you know, used to have, used to have cash and you just throw them in a change thing. Mm, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we we're poor kids, man. And I put them, I counted them in $40 bags that I used to be able to fill my old pickup with. And we bought gas all the way over there and back in quarters. And, uh, I mean, it was free reign. I mean, yeah, you had to Montana, the general tag, get it every other year or so, but you know, we can hunt Oregon, Idaho, Montana every couple of years. Like you applied for tags in Nevada and, and New Mexico. And I mean, you used to be able to draw in the early two thousands, you could draw a Nevada deer tag. We could draw this area. We hunted every other year. I just hunted it last year. And it was, it took me nine years and it's not at all like a good hunt, you know, premier hunt at all. Mm -hmm. And it's only, it's, you know, so many bow hunters now it's 20 tags and you got X amount of people applying. And a lot of these younger guys, I feel sorry for them. They don't even understand the draw odds and how terrible they are. Like you said, go hunt epic. All these guys are all out there throwing out the information on all these got to apply in the draws and all these other states, man, it is, I have 21 non-resident desert bighorn sheep points in Nevada, and I still have less than a 1% chance of drawing a tag. And they give out more desert sheep tags than any other state. You know, I would, you don't have to decide. And that's, that's the way. You don't have to decide now, but I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to make a, make you an offer if if you'll give up social media hunting social media like now i'm not talking about like sites like, like bha when they're making you aware of issues that are important to sportsmen i'm talking about following people that grip and grin and grip and grin yourself i will make a ninth stance a ninth thing <laughs> on my website that is, advocate for traditional archery seasons. Done. You would do that? Yeah, yeah. Put it on there. It, okay. I'll shut her down tomorrow. Really? Now, that, now we have the we have our podcast page. I can't control no. what's on there, and we need to keep that for. I have to keep that because. We post a lot, like that's where we post out our information for Arizona's losing their, you know, over the counter season. We need to e get emails sent, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but, done, buddy. I'll shut her down. Oh, okay. You got a deal. <laughs> See? Awesome. Now, now you're like, that's uh oh, awesome. I don't know if I should do that. Now you'll start getting the hate mail. No, well, oh, okay. Um, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. I will, I'll do it. I don't, I, I don't care. I think it's like, like I say, there's silver, gold, and platinum and black or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to be on board with everything. And I did, and I am concerned about technology. Yeah. Like these freaking idiots that are, I swear, like they, they, I've, I saw a hunting show like six or eight years ago in a motel room where I swear they had to back up to make it a long enough shot to be interesting to them. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, well, like I said, I have family members. Like I, I know how far people shoot. I mean, you can, you can go on a lot of these outfitters websites in New Mexico. I got a buddy that lived in New Mexico. The first time we went down there and hunted, he said, uh, this kid we grew up with and he not a big hunter, but he hunts a little bit and he lived close by. So we called him and he said, first thing he said was, can you shoot a hundred yards? <laughs> I just laughed. I'm like, uh, no, I, I shoot a recurve. I don't need to shoot a hundred yards. Oh yeah, you do. You got to be able to shoot a hundred yards down here. It's, it's wide open. And I'm like, all right, buddy, whatever. But how I mean, far, how far do you feel comfortable shooting? Ah, uh, 30 yards is about my max 30, 30, 32. I shouldn't shoot over 30, but I have stretched it to 32, 34, a few times. It, it all depends on, like I said, I've had some three shoulder surgeries in the last six years. And, uh, you know, it, when back in the heyday, when I was dialed, I could, I could shoot out to 40 really well, but it seems like it just gets shorter every year. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a terrible shot with a bow. Um, and even though I use, uh, steady our equipment, I've never killed anything with my bow over 40 years or over 40 yards. Yeah. Um, well, that's a, that's a rarity these days. I met last year. I called in a freaking the biggest bull I've ever seen. Huge freaking bull. And this guy that I was hunting with, he killed it at 10 feet. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I met a kid. I call him a kid. He's almost my age, but I drew a Nevada tag in 2018 an elk tag and he was camped next to me. And, uh, I'd been hunting for a long time. My dad was there kind of be a man in the camp, you know, and he'd hang out and drink beer and talk to everybody while I was out hunting. Well, he got to talking to the kid next door, blah, blah, blah. Well, he came back and, and basically he'd never elk hunted before because he lives in Nevada. You don't get an elk tag ever. And he had a, a bull that was coming off some private land up onto the BLM and he had it at 60 yards. And it was a big, you know, big giant bull. And uh, and I, it just baffled me that he didn't shoot at it. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, I don't shoot past 40 yards. Oh. And I had never met a comp. Like he was such a cool kid. He grew up on a ranch. His grandpa was just super old school. And he's just like, I don't shoot passport. Oh, awesome. God bless him, man. Yeah, he is awesome. And so I, I went out with him that next morning and got lucky, called that bull in for him and he shot it. Oh, and Yeah. And so the, the, anyway, he's still, still a good friend of mine. Absolute yeah. cool dude. Yeah, I, if, if I could, uh, if I could, Stay but, my hand. if I could stay my hand like that, I wouldn't have killed. I wouldn't have wounded. Maybe what have I wounded? Maybe with my bow, maybe eight or ten elk. Yeah, wow. yeah, and that's and like I said, that the harder it is, the more it makes you think about it. That's the way traditional bow hunting is, man. It's like you've hunted for a long time, 
and you get it, get a few of those shots under your belt where you shot maybe too long and it and gives you more patience and you realize like, you know, I, I crippled, well, I wouldn't say crippled because I, I, I found the bull three days later and he was fine, but I thought I had gut shot a bull this year and it was just a complete brain fart on my end. You know, like I didn't, you know, like probably shot a little too far. It was like 31 or 32, you know? Um, but, but I've been elk hunting for, I've hunted on and off with a, a traditional bow since I was a kid. So it's, I've been about, I'm about half and half now. So it's been 15 or more years, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a, a lot of guys, that's their argument against traditional bow. Oh, you're just going to cripple everything. And it's like, eh, I have seen both sides and there's no more crippling on my side anymore. I, I would say it's probably less, you know, cause, cause of that, you know, you think about it a lot more. Yeah. So. I have to back up one second because yeah. I want to add a little bit to that story I just told, cause I don't want people to go like, well, what do you mean hunting's going to shit? You just called in a huge bull for a guy. When, when I guess how many trucks were in the parking lot? <laughs> yeah. 20, 50, 50. Yeah. Five zero. Yeah. Um, and we were hiking in we started hearing him and we went up after him. And as I'm calling him in, there's a guy down the mountain, a few hundred yards call trying to call me in. Yeah. Well, I had, I had a buddy of mine. It's a good friend of mine that I grew up elk hunting with hardcore compound guy. Hoyt, Hoyt. Some of his cousins are were sponsored by him. Like, and you know the family. I don't want you to think like I'm a, I'm like a prime. You know what? Most no, years, most years, I don't even know. I have to go look and see what my bow is because yeah. I don't remember. You know, yeah. I don't. I, don't. I think of but, weapons as instruments for slowing down animals so that I can cook and eat them. Yeah. Like I don't have a fixation on who manufactured my gun or bow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, where I was getting at with this discussion with my buddy though, before I go on to that, um, he always, you know, made fun of me for shooting recurves and stuff over the years, you know, buddies, but, um, and I would always tell him, I said, man, that things that thing you're carrying around. I mean, that's going to lead to, you know, the stuff we're talking about, da 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 da, you know, hoit 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 hoit. Well, I think two or three years ago, he called, he, I was, we we're both on our way home from elk hunting. I was leaving a different state, and he was over hunting Oregon, and he was just like, man, I'm gonna start bird hunting. He's like, this is just ridiculous, you know. Mm-hmm. Every time you hear a bull, there's guy, there's three different groups of guys coming in from every direction, and you know. I mean, these aren't guys that, you know, he's not some guy that's never killed an elk. He's probably killed 25 of them, you know, like these guys are elk hunters, you know, mm-hmm. and he's now saying it's gotten so bad that I'm going to start chucker hunting instead again. Like, you know. Yeah. And still, and, every, and I told and, him, I and, said, and, I, and still uh, the hunting luminaries are, and yeah. the nonprofits are still freaking promoting yeah. the shit out of it. And the guy shooting prime bows. Yep. Yeah, not this one. <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot to think about, buddy. One. It is. 
So, yeah. Uh, do you think there's any chance at all that your ideas and my ideas will catch on? Uh, I hope so. I there's there's hope for me, and I hope by being on your podcast, I'm not blackballed from this. But um, am I really that? Why am I the controversial <laughs> one? I, I don't, don't understand <laughs> why. Why? Why I was, am I the controversial one? Because. Because you're you're saying what what you know those those influencers and those companies they don't want to hear and like you said earlier they have everybody trained in a way that what you're saying is bad and that's the same thing with our argument you know the, there's no difference ever everybody tells me I'm in you know or not everybody you know like you said I get we get a lot of positive feedback but. Over the years, I get a lot of hate and people saying like, I'm an elitist or something. I'm just a regular hillbilly, nobody that doesn't care. I care about the future, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why, you know, like I said, you get blackballed. But the hope for me is, you know, the National Traditional Bow Hunting Organization, Compton Traditional Bow Hunters, I wrote them a proposal several years ago to kind of do what we were doing in Oregon, create a little hunt committee and, and, you know, keep track, go to the commission meetings, keep track of all the changes and try to try to not push these hunts, but try to, you know, make sure we we're ready. If a window does open to, you know, preserve opportunity or even increase opportunity in maybe an area that doesn't have a season or find a time when we could create a traditional archery season. And, and uh, the the board at Compton kind of accepted the proposal, so we're starting a hunt committee. And I've already spoke at a few, you know, at Alaska Board of Game meeting against um, range finding sites and and things like that, and some mm -hmm. stuff in California. You know, they're talking some um, primitive seasons there, muzzleloader archery stuff with some changes in their regulations, and so that that's kind of the hope on my end is like, well, maybe, maybe with these changes that have happened in the last few years, cause, cause like when we first started that podcast, everybody, you know, a lot, a lot of people were like, dude, you guys are nuts. You know, you guys can't, and we're like, anyway, in in those last the five years, problem you have is you're only putting, how many have you put out? A hundred and something. Oh, I thought you were saying you yeah. only did them once every No, year. we, 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 well, there got to be so many traditional archer podcasts and I got super busy with there's one in Montana here. Yeah. Yeah. I got super busy with doing a lot of this game commission stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just, you know, you know how much it is. You're getting to see how much work it is doing a podcast every week. Holy crap, man. I get you know, we got kids and everybody else. So um we'll keep it going. But but anyway, my hope is, you know, that at the beginning, everybody's like, you guys are crazy. Well, now everybody's in a lot of these Western states are seeing that, oh, crap, we're, we are losing opportunity. And maybe this is a way to help save some opportunity. You know, we had a we had a guy on our podcast. Um, Travis Hobbs is his name. He's a grip and grinner like myself. But uh, he, uh, you're a former grip and grinner. <laughs> former. Uh, he is 100 percent like all four, you know, primitive weapon seasons, you know, so. Um, I think when we had him on, a lot of guys kind of 
realize what the heck we're talking about. You know, it's not just a couple of dipshits arguing about compound versus traditional. There's a kind of a bigger picture. There's if if it okay. So there's there's a couple thing ways in which you 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 could fail. Um, I. The, no, the the big one was this nobody takes you nobody you don't get buy-in enough buy-in right yep. the other way would be you do get buy-in and you do start getting traditional archery seasons and it just causes an uptick in traditional archery influencers so that everybody wants to be trad trad guy trad man you know and yeah. then you're right back where you were yeah but i just don't see it happening man i mean hunting with a traditional bow out west for mule deer and elk and i mean it is tough and you're 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 only going to see the guys that are really really hardcore stick with it you know guys like you and i that hunt 20 days or and there'll be a lot of guys that go out and do it, you know, but, um, it, it's going to, I, in my mind, I have no doubt that it'll cut down on overcrowding. I just, and, and it, even if it didn't cut down on overcrowding, the over harvest, I mean, the success rates are definitely going to drop. That's like, there's sure. no question. There's yeah. no question about that. Um, I mean, a lot of units where I live are over objective. So yeah. I'm not really concerned about that here, but maybe, yeah, it sounds like. Well, I could tell are. you, you know, like the reason a lot of ours just went to controlled was because of overcrowding and overharvest and, mm-hmm. and all the discussions I had with fish and game and, and, uh, the guy that was kind of running the, the regulate regulation changes, super good guy. And I had a lot of just one-on-one conversations with him and, and he's basically like, okay, you, you want to take you know, X unit, you know, say unit 55, unit 50 in our case, and you want to make that traditional only said right now we sell 1600 archery elk tags for that unit. Now we're below management objectives. We're going to cut them down to a thousand once we control it. So, so unit 50, a thousand tags. He said, if we made that a traditional archery unit next year, Bob, how many guys do you think would hunt it? And I said, uh, I don't know, two or 300 maybe. And then after a few years, if the hunting was good, maybe go up to five or 600. And he said, exactly. And then my boss is going to say, we could add a thousand guys in there hunting elk. So I, I think. Yeah. I you're, think you'd be reducing crowding for yourself, but you'd be increasing it for people, other people. Yeah, but it's our, I mean, it's already controlled now. <laughs> See, now, now every, each one of those units is going to be controlled. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, but re- yeah, reducing, so we lost you'd it. be reducing opportunity for other people, not crowding. Not reducing opportunity. You still have, I mean, you have to look at what, and this is what drives me nuts because that's exactly what the Fish and Game says at the meetings. What is opportunity? You know, opportunity is the opportunity to go hunting. I didn't, I didn't, you still have the opportunity to go hunting. You just have to use a different bow. Um, and that was, 
that was really hard to get across to them because they get, they see it like you do. You're like, well, you just reduce the opportunity for everybody else. Like, no, the opportunity is still there. You just made it harder. <laughs> yeah. But you said the barrier to entry is, is too low with traditional bows or with, 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 with compound bows. So you can't, it's hard for me to hold that thought in my head and think, Oh, on the other hand, you're saying if all of a sudden in some year, now it's this one unit is trad only. I thought the barrier to entry was high with trad only. It's not like those people are going to be able to go grab a recurve real quick and learn how to shoot it in time. No. So it does seem like it would reduce opportunity for people that are already trained up with their compound bow. It would change your opportunity is what it would do. Change your opportunity to where you had to practice a lot more. I mean, that's what bow hunting was set to be back in the day, right? So. Yeah. I'm like I say I'm on board because I think you're right. I think it the, it would reduce crowding, but I think I'd rather see it just across the board, not just individual units. Yeah, well, that's and, and like I said, you, you kind of have to pick your battles and go for what's realistic. And there's there's no way it's going to be across the board. You know, you can't just stop and say. And I I worked really hard with the the uh you know the oregon bow hunters the compound organization and that their um, vice president i were I, I tried to spitball with him back and forth and back and forth and come up with because originally they presented it as like six units that they were having these issues with and but it went from three to six and i just told him i said well why don't we just make those three units they're having these issues in traditional and keep the whole state general and it's, oh god we can't do that you're being you're selfish and all these things and right. and then well, it's you know it's, tough, it's what's tough about it what's tough what i like about what i'm trying to do is it doesn't involve laws so now it will i mean i'm, I'm going to say advocate for because i'm going to fulfill our agreement yeah um and if you would check Tomorrow, I'll, I'll try to do it tonight. Check mm -hmm. my wording, okay. and I'll revise it if you don't okay. like it. Because well, you know, I'm on website. board with you. I'm on board with what you're trying to do. I think the world would be a hunting would be better. Yeah, it was if we did away with the technology, and I, I would gladly, I would happily go buy a recurve if everybody huh. else had to shoot a recurve. So, but what's what's tough about what's easier about what I'm doing is I'm trying to change hearts and minds and not laws. So a while back, I was pushing Montana FWP for a mandatory training program if you wanted to hunt land made accessible through government programs because we're losing places that are in our block management program left and right due to a few bad actors every year. Yeah. Um, and to me, that that, that seems so entirely doable to have it be that if you're going to hunt block management, you're going to watch this hour video on all the places that have been lost due to people doing stupid stuff. Yeah. And I couldn't even get that. So at least with this, what I'm doing is saying, 
care about hunting, care about the future of hunting, stop watching hunting TV, stop being a sycophant to these freaking idiots on the computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, yeah, it seems and, simple. And stop and stop leasing other people out. Stop, stop yeah. gobbling up 10,000 acres for yourself and, and, and making it so everybody else is like crammed on 20 hunters per section or whatever. Yeah. It, none of that requires legislation. That's why I like because yeah, but it it requires so broken man. Yeah, and, I know, and, but and there's so much politics. There's so much yeah. politics in 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 fish and game management. I know, I know. It's sad, but uh, I don't know. For me, I feel like it's an easier road to try to change. Like changing people is hard. <laughs> You know, yeah, but I, maybe I just have an outlook like most people, people are bad. Really... Most people are bad. Maybe that's a bad outlook to have. But man, I just feel like you have to change it for them. I mean, look at the trail camera thing. Everybody in the world, I mean, people just threw a fit about the trail cameras. The the in Arizona, they outlawed them in Arizona too. Arizona, Utah, like the board of game that they had to step in and just do it because people just freak out and and guys were running hundreds and mm. hundreds mm -hmm. of trail cameras and thinking that's fine. Like yeah, that's so you're weird. not going so to get people to just do the right thing unless you make them. I, I, and that's just my spinoff on society at this point in my life. With everything. Yeah. You I can put out as many that. as you want here and I don't do it. <laughs> but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to see then, what, I don't want to see the I want to give animal. you an example. I want to give you an example. Okay. So, Sorry, I'm talking over you. Sorry about that. So, no, you're good. Um, town bucks. Okay. So uh -huh. town bucks out there. So we have, in central Oregon, we have um, a place that has a late archery season. Um, and then we have like the Bend, Terrebonne area. And there's these bucks that live in town and people feed them. I mean, they're, just, and they're giant. That's where Buck Norris was. Buck Norris was in Bend, right? Well, what? is that a named deer? Yeah. They took pictures of it. The giant pictures. You've seen pictures of it. It's got double drop no, time. No, I, I, I haven't. Cause I just don't, I don't follow well, it, stuff. I am it, completely it, disconnected from it. I, I, I hold my nose and look at a tiny bit. Because it's it, so damn repetitive that I don't need but, to look at a lot, you know? But my point is, like, there's been two instances in the last few years where governors tag guys, those bucks wandered onto public land and got shot. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you can look on the Facebook. And that's part of the reason I follow all this stuff. So I feel like if you're not, you're not going to be informed if you're just not there. But you look on Facebook and you read these guys' comments, and there's a few guys on there that are like, "What a joke, man! Like that that guy should be go to jail." You know, I I fed that deer, but then you and and there's and I would say it's probably about five or ten percent of the comments are that. The other ninety percent are people saying it's legal, it's fine, it was on public land, blah blah blah. That's hmm. not right. See Mm, I mean, there's one I of the, know, there might one be of the like, major outfitters in our state 
took one of the governor's tag and he they shot one of them a few years ago. It's like what what kind of hunt is that and what does that show to the non-hunters? Yeah. You know what I mean? So so yeah, I don't know. I have aren't a hard gonna time do the right too... thing. How well, many guys do you know like shoot like you said, shoot way too far? Like like look at the rifle hunting. What's rifle hunting coming to? With range finders, guys are shooting a thousand yards. Yeah. It that totally changes how you hunt certain units in Oregon. Like you used to have to get on the same side of the canyon as that elk and find the draw it was in. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to anymore. Yeah. That is a humongous game changer. Oh, and yeah, I mean, I, horrible. I talked to the, the fishing game and the biologists in those areas and, and we'll just make it iron sights only. And they just laugh. They're like, yeah. You know, the, the owner of night force would burn down your house, you know, like, but is that okay? I mean, that's just fine that we were shooting 1200 yards. No, no that's horrible. Exactly. That's horrible. I agree. But 90, I bet you, if you asked all hunters, 90% of them would say, well, it's legal. It's fine. And so that's what 90% of people that are listening to you and I are maybe a little more because you're in a selected spot, but 90% of the general hunting population is going to say, yeah, screw social media. I'm not going to post another grip and grant, or I'm not going to make a YouTube video or 10%, 10% will do that. The right thing, but 90% aren't gonna, you're probably, if we can get, if we can get 10% of the, those guys to show up to the commission meetings, 10% of the hunters to show up to the meetings in their state, and make these changes like I'm trying to do, then that'll solve the problem. See what I'm saying? I, I see what I see. You've given me a lot there. I, well, let me comment a couple <laughs> things. I, I applaud the person that uh, shot the big deer when it snuck on the public for a minute. Like, I don't have a problem with that. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> How can you not have a problem with that? It it's publicly, a I'm with them. People were feeding it. You have a problem with that, but if a guy buys a landowner tag and goes and hunt, hunts, like, that's a no? It's a, that's it was, a no they were probably illegally. It was probably illegal to feed it. <laughs> right? Uh, I would imagine. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I, yeah, just... I just... I can't help where I come down on stuff. I like... No, I can't. I like I, it when I like people... It. Yeah. I like it when people figure out a way, you know, figure out by hook or crook, they figure out a way See, to, to me, that is a hundred times worse than posting a grip and grin on social media. No, times it, to, to, well, okay. Cause if it gives hunting a black eye, then that's not yes. good. I'm yes. not con as concerned about hunting, getting a black eye. Like people always misread me as being concerned about hunting social media because it gives fodder to the antis. I do think it gives fodder to the antis, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying it incentivizes hunting for shitty reasons. Yeah. So both those things. Um, but we're oh, but man, I completely agree with you on the technology bit. Yeah. And I've never put I don't use game cams. I don't want to I don't want to see the animal that I'm a I don't want to be made aware that there's an animal in the area. Yeah, and see, like, I've used it. Just them. takes the mystery out of it. Yeah, I've used them. It sounds like you have too. And no, and not in hunting. We Never we used them, them um, one year, and, and I feel like having used them, I can argue better. You know what I mean? Like, so that's part of 
So I have people say, having 100%, gone on hunting TV, I can argue against hunting TV. Yes, better. exactly. Yeah. People will tell me, or you read the comments, whatever people will say, oh, game cameras don't help you get an animal. That's a bunch of crap. <laughs> I can say, like, my brother killed a bull that 100% we would not have killed if we wouldn't have got it on camera going to this water hole. Like, we had written this place off. And we went and checked the camera and a bull came there the day before or whatever, a couple days before. And we're like, holy crap, that's a big bull. You better sit here. He sat there and two days later he killed it. We would have never sat there. No, absolutely. So, so you cannot argue that stuff. No, that's ridiculous. No, you're, and if you're you right. have a hundred of them, like in Oregon, it's still legal to use the cell cameras. So they send a text to your phone, an email to your phone. Live, live. Like you do like, oh. There's elk over here. I better go. I don't know if they're legal in Montana, but they are. Yeah. It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. unbelievable. That's, the you know, stuff you know, what's funny that to me threatens the future of hunting right there. You, this goes back to what, something we were talking about earlier. So I'd be interested to get your take on this. How come all the people that have a voice in hunting, all of the the people that everybody listens to don't take strong stances. Okay, and let's give you just a few a few of them. Ooh. That game camps, uh, go hunt, being a, a broker or over sponsor tags, Onyx and Meat Eater writing articles about how to lease up land and lock everybody else out. Yeah. Like, uh, the nonprofits writing articles about how to lease up land and lock everybody else out. I, I, I don't, what I, what, what drives me crazy about the celebs is they will not take a stand, a strong stance on, 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 yeah. on things. So why is, is it just, just, you're just tiptoeing, like if you don't want to piss off a contingent of your customers or your viewers, so you just can't take a stance on anything. Is that what yeah. it is? I'll, I'll give you my opinion, and it's going to go way beyond hunting, just because I have a lot of opinions. But yeah, it's everybody in today's society, everybody's out for themselves. And you can see that not only in the hunting people not taking a stance, you know, the influencers you're talking about, but look at, look at people in their jobs. Look at, you know, I look at a lot of these, these, these fish and game employees, you know, like they know these biologists know what's right and what needs to be done. They know we have to, you know, hunt predators. They know, they know these things if we want a deer population or if we want this or that, but they get hushed somewhere down the line, like you said, the politics, and they don't want to say you're a biologist that's working your way up in the, the, you know, whatever state state you're in and you got your little regional spot. Well, if you, if you're a voicing for the deer in that area, which also happens to be voicing against the bears, you know, and politically your state's anti-predator hunting, or, you know, you could go down the BHA route on that. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll, I'll talk to the, uh, let me finish my thought first, okay. but 
but they're not going to, they're not going to say anything. Cause then that might, they might not get the promotion. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, there's some people of courage. Up. There was a guy here yeah. that just got and, and forced it, out. There was a guy that got of uh, elk biologist got for that got forced out into early retirement because he yeah. was too vocal during our season setting. Yeah, um, good for him, man. Like we need, we need more people like that. And, and, and that's across all walks. Like everybody's afraid of the, you know, to say what, what they, how they feel when you shouldn't be afraid of that. You know, like you should, should be able to stand up for what you believe in, whether you, you know, you and I disagree on a lot of things. Like That's fine. But I'm going to give you my opinion. You're going to give me yours. Yeah. And, 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 it's, it's, so, it's wonderful that you and I can do that. Yeah. And, and I would still buy you a beer. I would still yeah, yes. hunt with you. When the elk yeah. was coming, I'd, I'd I mean, shoot I it am... before it got close enough for you, but <laughs> yeah, you definitely launch one over me <laughs> right in there. <laughs> but, but, and, and that's the part of, I think, you know, that's what's wrong with a lot of things going on these days. Like people just don't have the nuts anymore to, you know, like not to single out your own brother, but I mean, they just had two days of commission meetings on spring bear hunting in Washington. He lived there for a long time, if I believe right. Like if these influencers and these famous guys were involved in these states, like they showed up and said, look, you know, that, that would change the game for us small guys in these states, mm. but they don't, nobody's there. I've never seen, I'm an Oregon guy. I've never seen Cam Haynes at a commission meeting. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so He's and, too busy. And, and I'm not, He's too busy yeah, in I the mean, gym. <laughs> and, and and not that he hasn't done great things in other ways, like oh, you know, have, I, I don't know. To, I'm, I'm not to trying to understand what those are. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to <laughs> talk shit, but I guess I am a little bit of like, man, that's where I feel like we need to show up. And so, yeah, this this the hunting cele- in celebrities or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, man, they don't want to they don't want to burn a bridge. That might be a sponsor later. That might be a a, a doll, you know, like they might need that. And once you, once you turn something into your means to feed your family, that's a game changer. You know, like mm-hmm. you and I have a regular job. I don't need a piss dime from anything. Like I have my own job. And yeah. so I can give you my opinions. That's me. That, but yeah. now if, if, if you're counting on that to feed your daughter, you know, like, man, you might, <laughs> You might do some weird shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, there's a, uh, you know, Upton Sinclair. He wrote uh, The Jungle and other books. He, 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 uh, he said uh, it's, it's awfully, something along the lines of it's awfully hard to uh, get a man to understand something when his paycheck depends on him not understanding it exactly and that goes right back to the commercialization of hunting and that's what those guys preach forever you know like this this is not good this will ruin bow hunting the commercialization of it you know jay massey those guys back in the day and they're i hate to say it but they're right you know unfortunately um but you know, I, I don't know. I feel like there's there's two polarizing sides to the to the thing, and that's where like that's why I was going to bring up the BH, and I and I and I shouldn't lump everything into the BHA side, but I kind of just see that as the that's the the new hunter and the 
the, the green hunter and the, the anti grip and grin and, you know, like all that. Like, so that's like the BHA side. Whoa, you know? whoa. BHA is not okay. anti grip well, and grin. Maybe they were huge grip and grinners, but that's kind of where I see that side. I just, I'm just kind of setting this up. So you I got, agree with everything you said, but they grip and you got grin the, the shit. You got out of the green home. side. Okay. You got that side. And then you have just like your regular hillbilly, you know, hunters, you know, like cattle rancher, maybe the cattle and the guys that, that are into the private land hunting and the SCI guys, like, and those are the guys for the most part that are like, I'll post a picture or screw everybody. You know, like I'm proud of being a hunter, you know, I'll show everything, whatever. And, um, you know, those are kind of the two opposite sides and it makes me wonder, I'm always thinking about like, what is the right side for the future? And that's where I feel like a lot of times I'm kind of like in that middle ground because I've had times where I've seen that like cattle ranch and SCI side do things for hunting that really helped. And I've seen the, the the green side do things that might've looked better to the non hunter, but did it really help hunting, you know, and, and a big part of our state is predator control. You know, like we have, we outlawed hunting with towns in the nineties and, you know, we have wolves that you can't hunt. And, and, uh, I've seen our deer populations just tank. I mean, insane, you know, and it's totally changed how I hunt. I mean, and, and a number of years ago, I was hunting an antelope refuge. It's called the Heart Mountain Antelope Refuge. It's in South Central Eastern Oregon, out in the desert. Beautiful place. One of the coolest places we have in our state, that high desert. And, and uh, it used to be like the Mecca, one of the Meccas for mule deer here. You know, the 80s guys would talk about just giant bucks and, you know, 70s. And it was just incredible. And it's a draw deer hut. And me and my buddy James that I do that podcast, we drew the late season hunt there years, a few years ago. And we knew it wasn't going to be a good hunt that the deer population had, you know, just been uncontrolled predators for X amount of years. Um, but we went, we had a great time. Joaquin, a buddy ours came and I mean, we just had a great time. Um, saw a few bucks that, you know, nothing giant and blah, blah, blah. Well, I was getting gas on the way out and this is, in the town of Plush, which is, I mean, I think that there's one store gas station bar, you know, that's all the town is. And it says, I think the shirts for Plush say like a, a drinking town with a cattle problem. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and this guy's filling up my gas tank, the owner of the store. And he says, um, and I've always been kind of the green hunter, you know, and, you know, guys would call me like the hippie hunter. So I shoot a wood bow with arrows, you know, like, kind of make fun of me. There's a lot of years I go for months and I don't get anything. And they're like, you're nerd. Um, and so I'm that guy and I'm filling up my truck and, and he goes, how was it? And I said, well, kind of sucked. And he goes, yeah, when they made that an antelope refuge, it ruined it. And it made me think like, wow, it kind of did, <laughs> you know, like, they used to graze cattle on the lower end of it and they would keep water there in the winter. And so, you know, that the habitat kind of spread out the habitat. We, we went all across that low desert country. There was no water there in November, like nothing. And, and uh, they used to shoot the predators when there was, you know, cattle there. They don't, cattle guys, they don't like coyotes. They don't like cougars. And the deer were thriving, 
you know? So, you know, that's where sometimes I find myself in the middle of like, well, if, if the vocal side or the show everything side actually was involved and showed up to the meetings, maybe it would be better. But right now we don't really have guys from either side showing up a little bit, you know, and I would say probably a little more from the green side, but it's a tough one, man. I mean, I, I, and that's where, like, like you said, that's why I'm kind on the social media and I'm kind of in, in between. So, um, and that's where I go with the, I, well, yeah, so here's, here's my BHA thing. When they, when they reintroduced, you know, did the ballot measure to reintroduce wolves in Colorado, they were, they were pipsqueak quiet about that, you know? And, uh, and a lot of guys gave them kind of gave them crap. And they're like, well, we don't, you know, we don't really get involved in all that stuff. And I'm like, you're a hunting organization, get involved in all this other stuff. Anyway, just kind of like, that's the kind of stuff that, and I had a lot of discussions with guys on social media about, cause I have hunted Northwest Montana and Northern Idaho and Oregon. And I've seen what an uncontrolled wolf population does. Um, and that's, what's going to happen in Colorado. It's going to be uncontrolled. They're, you know, they're never going to vote in hunting wolves in Colorado, just like they won't here. They'll, they'll say, Oh, we'll put in a management plan. And once there's X amount of breeding pairs and we'll turn it over to the state for management mm. and then it'll get litigated, 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 and it'll never happen. That's what's, that's exactly <laughs> what happens here. Um, and so, you know, last year, and, and maybe I'm wrong on pointing that as like the green side. And I have a lot of buddies that are super involved with BHA and I, you know, like I'm not trying to talk crap, but we had a Western States hunting expo in Lolo, Montana. Um, it wasn't an expo. It's the annual shoot rendezvous. We have a bunch of us trad nerds get together. It rotates between States. And um, a lot of the guys that ran the Montana one, like Montana has got a big BHA presence. A lot of those guys are BHA guys, you know? And, and when we, we tout for all this public land, and, and here we're, we're at Lolo Pass, which, like I said, back in the day, whew, loaded with elk, right? You know? Yeah. <clears throat> and nobody hunts around there. You know, like, we should have been talking about elk hunt. And like, you have these giant expanses of this protected area where just, like, nobody's, you know, it, it's, it's sad for me to see that and to not be outspoken about it, you know? And what would you, what do you wish wolf management was like? Well, I mean, just allow the states to manage them, just like Idaho and Montana and Wyoming. I'm not like anti-wolf, but you have to control the populations, you know, just like mountain lions and everything else. We, you know, we, we control the population. When you don't, when you don't allow hound hunting for mountain lions, you're pretty much just letting the population go. Yeah. Be awfully with, hard to get one if, without a, a hound. Yeah. And so I would be, you know, for me, I'm more angry at those nonprofits for not getting involved in that, that stuff than I am them posting a grip event. Like I would rather, I'm mad at them because they didn't show up and they're not, you know, they're not, uh, they're not supporting that side. Whereas, you know, SCI shows up to those meetings and they're fighting for the, you know, fighting against the, you know, protection of our predators, you know? So I don't know. Gives you something to think about. I think there's plenty of room for one guy to make the case 
against the grip and grin. Like, if you, I'm just one guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it, it's like, what am I supposed to do? Just be one in, of the 10,000 people that are advocating for conservation and access or 10, mil, 10 million people are. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of them too. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, I'm a simple person. So to me, it's like hunting's overcrowded. It's hard for people to draw a tag. Everything's getting privatized and leased up. Why don't we do away with hunting promotion? Yeah. I mean, or I do away with, I look right. You know, technology. I don't, it's, it's the simplest solution that see, I could possibly advocate. For. I, I agree, but I also think it's, the most difficult one to 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 get to happen. I, I think, like like from for the reasons I stated before, I think you're not going to change people, and especially in today's day and age of the internet and the, the show me show me show me stuff. Unless I, I think what I'm talking about will change it the same way because of the difficulty of it. You know, because it could become passe. It could. Showing being a hunting influencer could become passe. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, there's another one of the doing the thing, doing the going up the mountain with 50 pounds of rocks in his back. And now he's (laughs) shooting his bow. And now look at the big old bull he got, you know. Yeah. And 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 now look at him making his tearful plea for conservation. You know, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I think you're right. I think I'm going to fail. I, I think hunting is going to, the kind of hunting I care about is going to go away, but, but, uh, maybe maybe between you fixing the 10% on the the YouTube social media side, and maybe we can fix a few percent over here on the traditional side. And then maybe we'll house, like I said, we just need something salvageable. We need we're aligned. You and I are aligned now because I'm. Yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah. It's a. It, we're kind of like blood bit, brothers bit, now. <laughs> the, the the technology bit is gonna be is part of my stance now. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So, it it it, it, it does. It drives me nuts. The technology stuff does drive me nuts. Yeah, and I might not go as far as you, and you might not go as far with me as me with the TV and the and the computer stuff, but you know, that's what a good conversation does. Yeah, just exactly. A couple things. What it does is it defines where two people disagree and where they agree. It more carefully etches out where the points of agreement and disagreement are. And then it also changes hearts and minds a little bit. Yeah. So um, on another topic, you're a Pacoma guy. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I just, I just adopted a BLM burrow that, uh, I'm going to, I got another one coming in September. So I'm starting my pack string. Awesome. Yeah. So I, adventure. I, I, my wife has a old friend that works at a wilderness school in the Sierra Nevada 
and he they supply that school it's back in about four miles and they supply it totally with burrows and this guy loves them yeah you know we'll and see. i was around one once I, I used to date a girl that had one and they're kind of like the the dog of the of the hoof animal world yeah like they really like people mm-hmm. way more than a horse and w- way the hell more than a llama. Yeah. So this could be a really good thing for you. You might, re- <laughs> I think you're going to really like it. We'll see. I, uh, well, part of the reason I did it was for, you know, all the stuff you're talking about, you know, I was everywhere I went last year, you know, and I had a side by side, you know, I, my whole life I've hunted, you know, we've hunted some wildernesses backpacking here and there, but pretty much, you know, trailer, with my RV and, you know, I had a side by side and a fat cat and an old Toyota, you know, for whatever hunt, but you know, that was cool 10 years ago. And there was only like one side by side rolling around, but now oh, everybody and their brother mm-hmm. has one. And yeah. these roads that used to, you know, used to take you three hours to drive a couple miles. Now you could drive them in five minutes with a side by side, you know, wah! and, mm. and I honestly felt like, I was just in the middle of a war on elk, like everybody just racing around all over the damn place. And I'm like, this is not why I hunt. You know what I mean? Like I know the wildernesses are crowded there on the land with your, your like, like Juan Valdez just cruising along through. Yeah. So I sold all my ATVs. And I'm going the donkey route. My mom, my wife's not too happy right now since we're having a baby in a couple of weeks, and I'm training donkeys and shit. Oh, uh, <laughs> so it's, are you gonna? Did you hire somebody to board them? No, I I'm keeping at my sister's place. My sister's got some land, and my niece has horses, so she helps me out the days I'm on shift and stuff at work. She'll feed them or whatever. But you know, so far it's been it's been pretty cool. I'm still trying to get them to. You know, I, I just, today's the first day I got him to just jump in the trailer. Like it was victory. <laughs> and my daughter there, she's standing there videoing me and he just went right. I mean, I spent hours trying to get that sucker in the trailer. He did not like uh-huh. days. And then I'm working on picking up his feet and I got, for whatever reason, his, his, uh, driver's side rear leg, man, he does not like you picking that thing up and he tries to kick you in the nuts every day. Yeah. Llamas are the same way. <laughs> Just cause you get one side desensitized doesn't mean you got the other side desensitized. And I need to trim his hooves, you know, like, but, and the farriers a couple weeks out, you know, and I'm like, well, I might have a baby in a couple weeks. Oh, so I'm trying to, yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to figure that out out but it's it's cool man it's a new adventure my daughter's pretty stoked because she can she can ride it you know i already i've put her on it several times he leads great you know Uh Um, and so my plan is by the time my next daughter gets two or three like i'll have my two donkeys i can put them on it and into the wilderness we go yeah (laughs) that's awesome yeah yeah we'll see and most of those traditional hunts we have here they're in wildernesses so Okay. Or there's a big chunk of wilderness in them. So I know I'll be able to get those tags now, you know, for the near future. Yeah. So yeah, changing it up. Yeah. Definitely see how it goes. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to go work on 
the wording on my website. All right. You know, I don't like I don't like asking stuff directly. It doesn't it doesn't feel good. So you look at it. Okay. You look at what I put, and then you make your own mind. If you do, if you change your mind and want to keep gripping, grinning, <laughs> I, I want it to be a decision you come to on your own, like without being pressured in any way. No, no. Like I said, I don't, I don't mind. I, I hate the internet. If you could, I've spent my life trying to get a job where I don't have to deal with a computer, oh. and I'm a hundred percent fine with that. What do you do for a living? I never even asked. Uh. I'm a firefighter. So, oh, wow. and I was, I was a plumber. I was a union plumber for almost 10 years before that. Now I've been at the fire department for 12 or something. So, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Good. Yep. All right. Well, Bob, another thing, if you, if you have, if you could send me Doug Borland's contact. Information, yeah. That seems like- yeah. We've had some, we've had some super, just awesome guys on our podcast. I mean, I know it's traditional archery, but Doug Borland, Sterling Holbrook, Larry Yen, like we've had some guys that are just incredible human beings, you know. Yeah. I some love talking to I that's I love these conversations. I yeah. it turns out I never really realized this until the last few months, but it turns out I have a tremendous amount of love in my heart for my fellow hunters. The yeah. ones that care the ones that do it for the right reasons yeah and and i am concerned for them you know mm-hmm. so and and i and and people that don't believe that be damned because it's really true yeah i really do and and why else would i be doing this i'm not i'm losing money yeah no i know how that goes i had to buy a computer just we had to buy computers james and i both to start our podcast mm-hmm. four years ago sure you know? yeah and then you got the monthly hosting fees and yeah, I mean, it's, you're not doing it for, for anything but that. So yeah, hopefully you can make a difference, man. Back at you. All right. Well, I'll keep working on it. All right. Not on the social media though. <laughs> no, Hey, Oh, dang it. I, now you're, I only oppose dead and dying animals on social media. You can keep, okay. keep the okay. other stuff. See, I, I, I think dead and dying at, well, not in dying, not in dying, but I think the well, gripping grins. The reason I say dead and dying all the time is if you have a clip on there, the second the, the arrow hits it, it's no longer, it's dying. Uh, don't even get me started on that. Them showing them dying on the YouTube videos and shit. That's well, no, I'm just saying ridiculous. the second the arrow touches it, yeah. it's now dying. Yeah. 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 That's why I always say dead and dying. Yeah. I'm right there with you, but I still think the best, Best thing on social media is gripping grins, but whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob. Have a good night. <laughs> yeah, you too, buddy. Take it easy.